on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have some news. Finally, it feels like it's been months since we've had any real update on the University of Colorado and what it's going to look like going forward. But this morning, uh, the university released its plan for the fall semester, and uh if you're hoping for college football, I think that you've got to be pretty excited about what they said because the campus will be open. There are some modifications. There will be some extra regulations to try to slow the spread of COVID-19 in case there is an outbreak. And we'll dig into all those later and then talk about what that means for football. And uh, I mean, it's a really good sign is the answer to that question. Uh, but before we do, I need to tell you more about our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped is an incredible company doing incredible work, keeping men feeling their best, looking their best, and just generally taking care of themselves. Um, people don't often talk to, about manscaping in normal conversations. That's something I've definitely realized since it's become such a big part of my life and something that I talk about a lot. People are uncomfortable about it, but you shouldn't be because it's important and Manscaped can hook you up with some incredible products like the Lawnmower 3.0, the Crop Preserver, uh, all sorts of different products from soaps and washes to deodorant to trimmers. Definitely be checking out manscaped.com. And when you go there, use the code DNVR20 to get 20% off your order and free shipping. Definitely check it out. Uh, but let's get back to Colorado. So, uh, Phil Stefano, the chancellor, sent out a letter today to the students, the faculty, and the staff of CU Boulder that kind of explained what the university has come up with, the guidelines that they're going to be using for reopening, and uh, it's very positive. So, classes are scheduled to begin on campus on August 24th. So that's the, the that's the big news here is that the University of Colorado is expecting to have students on campus uh, for this semester, uh, which as we've talked about, if you listen to college podcasts, we talked about there and I've talked about a little bit on my own on this podcast, but having students on campus is one of the big pieces of having college football uh, for a bunch of different reasons. And there are some varying takes on how important it is exactly but i think everybody is agreeing that that is one of the biggest steps toward having college sports 
That's having college students on campus. So, like I said, Colorado students will be on campus beginning August 24th for in-person classes, but after Thanksgiving, they will finish the semester remotely. So those last few weeks before the end of the semester, uh, when students go home for Thanksgiving, they're supposed to just stay home with the thought being that if they're going back somewhere where there could be an outbreak or, um, I mean, really anywhere, honestly, you're all of a sudden bringing all these people back to campus again just for two, three weeks, and it could wind up creating a a big wave in Boulder. Um, Obviously, that same thing could happen when students show up to campus um, for classes that begin August 24th, but if you can avoid having that happen a second time, that's ideal Um, because that first push is going to be what's really important here you know, if by September 15th, September 20th, we haven't seen a massive spike in cases, it'll look like things have gone pretty well in Boulder. Uh, but if if you get five people who are carrying the disease, who show up there, and each one of them spreads it to a few people, then all of a sudden you could have a pretty big outbreak. Um, that is the first part of the plan, classes starting August 24th, then switching to uh, off campus after Thanksgiving. Although there is a caveat in there, they said that they're going to be granting exceptions. Um, I would expect that those are mostly for international students who may not be wanting to go home. They can just stay in the dorms. Um, People who have learning needs could probably find a way, but also I would expect college football players to be allowed to stick around and college athletes in general because of their obvious need to be on campus during that time. So it's definitely a very good sign that they have already said that there will be exceptions as well, because obviously football players will need those exceptions as will the basketball players and all the other athletes running through this letter. There are some key points that I want to touch on. Um, the big one is that the whole vibe here seems to be, we are going to crack down on this as hard as we can. We are going to put as many precautionary systems in place as we can. So that if something does happen, we can, handle it. Um, and that's why there are some pretty strict regulations. You know, they said that they want to cut down, um, the odds of one person who is carrying the coronavirus of giving it to somebody else by 55%. That's their target number. And, uh, there's a bunch of ways they're going to do that. Um, for example, they're going to require everybody on campus or all students and employees to wear masks when they're on campus. Uh, So there's a big step. Uh, They're going to reduce the density of people whenever possible. So they're talking about splitting classes into multiple sections. They said that they're going to be using the full day for classes instead of trying to pack everything into that, you know, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. traditional school time. Uh, Instead, classes are going to keep going all the way until 9 o'clock at night and I'm sure there were some night classes before, but uh, everything kind of dies off after that three o'clock, four o'clock time. Um, but that's not supposed to be the plan. They're going to keep everything spaced out as evenly as possible throughout the day is what it sounds like. Uh, there's different ways that they can group students together uh, so that if there is an outbreak, it's as contained to one group of people as possible. 
for example, if you're an economics major, then maybe there's a group of econ students who all go to the same classes. You have those four classes um, all together and it gets rid of some of the flexibility of the scheduling. It's kind of inconvenient for a lot of people, but if one of those students gets sick, they aren't going into six different classes that have 25 new people in each one of them. So you can kind of contain things that way. Uh, again, it makes sense in terms of controlling the outbreak. Is it going to be kind of annoying if you have to have all of your classes spread out from eight in the morning till eight at night because of this? We'll see how they can manage everything. Um, there's, there are some other things, you know, they're, they're making it easier to split some courses into eight weeks. They want to give professors that opportunity. Um, they're trying to give first year students a first year academic experience. That's what they said. That's their quote. Um, and they said it, that includes housing assignments and enrolling first year students in classes with small cohort groups. Um, so again, there's that small group thing that they're going to try out as much as possible, um, as well as the housing assignments. You're, I'm pretty sure that first year academic experience just means that they have to have roommates. Um, I think that's a lot of it. Um, and it, but that is one of the questions that you have. Can you responsibly put two people in a room when you know that there's an outbreak happening? They're two strangers. Um, they decided yes. I think. I'm not going to give all my takes on all this stuff, but you know, you can see how you could think that we're at the end of maybe not the end, but things are progressing to the point where that seems more acceptable. Um, more classes that are online classes or hybrid classes. Um, they're, they're trying to use bigger classrooms whenever possible so that they can spread students out. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff, you know, the, the testing is, one of the interesting pieces because what they want to do, uh, they say they want to have enough tests so that they can be continuously testing, not just to see if people are sick because they have some symptoms, but so that they can keep an eye on whether there is an outbreak. And they said that they want to be manufacturing those tests on campus, which makes sense because as we've talked about, um, or I guess, Maybe it doesn't say that they're going to try to manufacture them. No, 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 no. I, I screwed that up. Don't listen to that. Uh, but they want the on-campus capability of testing to be con so that they can continuously monitor for potential spread and to test individuals with symptoms. So both ways. Um, there's a special team, a couple special teams just for tracking down people who have it, ice helping them isolate themselves, figuring out who else they may have come into contact with. You know, it, it, there's also the safety classes, and I'm not sure if you guys have been through those. I know I had to go through a bunch of them at Montana. They're all just online. You kind of just click through, but they're like videos that'll play, and you have to sit through the videos, and then you have to answer like three questions to show that you're paying attention. And uh, you know what? I Why not? Why not make everybody who works for the school and everybody who's going to be on campus take 30 minutes and an hour to make sure they understand why the masks are happening, why the six feet matters, how they can keep themselves safe in a bunch of different ways because the ecosystem on a college campus is just totally different. And there are just so many pieces because you are so close to other people that maybe the experts can actually come up with some tips that 
you couldn't think of on your own with just common sense. You know, stay away from people. Don't cough on each other. That kind of stuff. I could I could put together that presentation, but it wouldn't be worth listening to. So we'll see what they come up with. Actually, we probably won't. I doubt that's just going to be released publicly. Um, but again, this is a huge step hearing that they're going to open campus this fall, you know, based on how Colorado has been impacted, what we've heard from other universities in this area and kind of what we've seen nationally as well. It isn't a huge surprise that this is what they decided to do. I think a lot of schools, I know Montana is, I think actually starting two weeks early so that they can be done at Thanksgiving so that they don't have to go through the students coming back to campus that could create a potential wave like Colorado is worried about. Um, And so a lot of this really is in line and there's a real chance that in February or not February, like November before everybody's gone home for Thanksgiving that coronavirus is all is kind of in all of our rear view mirrors and we aren't thinking about it but they're still requiring masks and at that point it might seem kind of strange and a bit over the top um, but you'd much rather have a policy in place and have to change it to make it easier than be hit by something unexpected and have to adapt so yeah I, I do think that there the, the regulations could turn out to be a little bit stringent and we don't have all of the details you know is there going to be a max class size of 10 people in some rooms? That kind of stuff will really give us more information, but it does seem like they are taking this very seriously and they've thought through all of the potential things that could go wrong. Um, They're also going to keep trying to get whoever can to work from home. Um, I'm not sure who that is really, but we'll see. This is a huge step in the right direction and uh, I'm excited. And before we move on to my DraftKings pick of the week, which I'm pretty excited about, hopefully you guys made some money on Tiger and uh, Peyton winning that match on Saturday, Sunday. There we go. This this is a tough weekend to follow for me. But on Sunday, uh, they whooped them. I guess Tom and Phil made a bit of a run late. Um, it was honestly great to watch. I hope you guys caught it because it really was everything I'd hoped it would be. But we'll get into that stuff later. Um, I also want to talk about an update that the athletic director at Texas A&M said last week that he has been in contact with the athletic directors of Colorado, obviously Rick George, and Fresno State, um, because those are two teams that Texas A&M has non-conference football games against this September. And he says, well, here's the quote. We're monitoring the landscape of college football, monitoring fall sports and all those things. You just rely on the word and the confidence of those athletic directors when they tell you that they want to play and they're planning on being here. Um, so it sounds like both Fresno State's athletic director and Rick George believe that they will be playing at Texas A&M this season. Um, that's double news for Colorado, really, because if Fresno State thinks it can play at Texas A&M, there's a good chance it can play at Colorado, I think, the week after is the way the schedule works. But it's a it's another piece of good news. Um, still some room for the athletic directors to be mistaken or, you know, if you're Fresno state's athletic director, 
you really don't want to be telling Texas A&M, hey, it's about 50-50, and then Texas A&M goes and schedules some other game that week to make sure that they can play. Um, so who knows how much weight you can put into that, but we do know that both the athletic directors of Fresno State and Colorado have told Texas A&M they plan on playing. Texas A&M sounds like they're able to play too. Uh, more good news. I'm more confident than ever that we're going to be having a college football season. Uh, hopefully you are too. Before we get into my DraftKings pick of the week, I want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. It's incredible. And if you're ordering food from the farmhouse, you can get $5 off your meal with the code DNVR. It's a great deal. It's great food. They have daily specials. They have beer specials sometimes. And they always have great beer at a great price because that's just what they normally do. So order some delivery, some curbside pickup, um, or go to the Breckenridge Brewery website. Figure out where you can buy Breckenridge beers near you. And grab some of those for your, I guess, not for your Memorial Day weekend anymore, but just for you to drink uh, because they're really good. And again, that code is DNVR to get $5 off your meal at the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse. And if you need a way to entertain yourself while you're drinking all those beers, why not check out WGT? That World Golf Tour app is the most popular golf game in the world. You can download it on your iPhone, on your Android, whatever you use. And you can join the DNVR Country Club and compete with everybody at DNVR. The podcast hosts, the people who work behind the scenes, as well as all of the listeners. We've been having incredible turnout to all of our tournaments. There are tournaments every Sunday. Uh, Some are... 18 holes some are nine holes some is uh, i don't even remember where we've played but you know pebble beach for example or you could just be playing like a collection of the best par fours in golf or sometimes it's just closest to the pin and then there are challenges between dmvr and other country clubs as well and that's where we really need some help if you guys haven't downloaded the app yet, go to dnvrgolf.com and it'll take you right to where you download it. Join that DNVR Country Club and come play video games with us. Uh, I should also say that you should be uh, in that Discord chat, the DNVR Lounge. Uh, if you go to the dnvrlounge.com or look around the website, there will be links to that. That one is members only. Um, so you do have to be a DNVR member, but there's conversation about Broncos, buffs, nuggets, uh, music, art. I don't even, I don't think they've started a food one yet, but people keep saying we need a food channel. Basically anything. Uh, all of your friends who listen to the podcast are also in there. So let's keep building the community. Okay. Time for the DraftKings pick of the week. And today... I have some fun games I want to talk about. You know, there isn't too much that I love coming up in this DraftKings schedule, so I thought this would be a good time to look ahead to football season. And uh, in particular, two early season, non-conference, Pac-12 games. And they're going to be tough ones. Um, there are two. One September 5th when USC plays Alabama in Texas, I believe. And I should actually check that, but... Yeah, yeah, okay. They're playing at Cowboy Stadium. Uh, so, this game, before we talk about who's going to win it, uh, the answer to that question is Alabama. I do want to say that there has been updates on this game earlier this week. Uh, Mike Bone, uh, 
who we don't need to talk too much about right now, said that the odds are in our favor for the game to go as planned. Um, he also has been saying that he's getting more and more hopeful by the day. So who knows? I mean, there's there's still plenty of time for things to change, or maybe he's just positioning to try to kit Bama to not cancel this game because, you know, that USC in L.A., that's not an area that seems to be one of the more likely to be ready to handle things like football practices uh, before this game, which is September 5th, like I mentioned earlier. Um, also worth noting that like a week before that, uh, Colin Cowherd said that uh, the game was going to be called off. Who knows who his source was on, was on that, whether that's going to change, whether that's Bama saying, oh, we got to pull a plug and find somebody. Who knows? Uh, but you know, I'm optimistic this game is going to happen, and uh, it's a tough one to pick. Um, USC plus 14, Bama minus 14, both at minus 110 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, USC plus 510 to win, Alabama minus 770. I would not take USC to win this game, but I do think there's a real chance that USC is ready to take a big step forward this year. However, there are concerns about this particular game. The The big one is that it's the first game of the season. And sure, you really like what you saw from Keaton Slovis last year at quarterback. Uh, I think right now he's fifth in the NCAA's Heisman odds, the college football Heisman odds. Um, you know, he, he very much could carry this team with that group of receivers past Alabama or at least keep things within 14 points and cover uh again first game of the year he is still a young quarterback but I wasn't all that impressed with Alabama's quarterback last year after Tua went down uh who knows if he's even going to be the guy this year they still have to sort that out you know Tua's little brother transferred out earlier this week or I guess that would have been last week now and time is flying but, you know, this USC group of receivers could be, I mean, it is a top five group in the country. The question is how closely it can compete with Bama. And see, that's the thing on the other side is that if you really like that matchup between, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown or uh, Tyler Vaughn's or any number of those receivers that they still have out there at USC, even though Michael Pittman left, you have to really love the matchup between Alabama's receivers and the USC secondary. There is some talent in that secondary. The difference is that Alabama just develops talent at a level that USC hasn't recently. Now, could that change? It's possible. And does the shortened preseason, potential shortened camp, help the, the underdog? Of course it does. USC has a decent chance of catching the least prepared Alabama team in years, years and years, you know, especially with a, a quarterback who you have to compensate for just a little bit, that USC plus 14 line is starting to grab my eye a little bit. And, you know, if you really want to go for it, that plus 510, I don't know if I could take that, but honestly, I'd probably hold off because I think that line will move more in Bama's favor as we get closer to the game. But I do think that this USC Bama game is more of a contest than people will give it credit for just because USC did progress so far last year, especially with Keaton Slovis there. They bring back so much talent. 
and they've just been stacked with five stars for forever. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I'm kind of tempted to take that USC line. And obviously, I'd be huge for the Pac-12, but USC to keep it within 14. At the same time, you could see Najee Harris just going off. Um, that's a fun game to talk about, at least. Um, where I really have a pick for you guys is in this second Pac-12 non-conference game that I want to talk about. And that is when Ohio State plays Oregon on September 12th in Eugene. The line is at nine and a half. Ohio State is a minus 375 favorite. Oregon a plus 290 underdog. And I would take Ohio State minus nine and a half easy right here. Because again, September 12th, that is Oregon's second game of the season after playing North Dakota State. They're, they've obviously lost Justin Herbert. And to me, I don't think that really hurts Oregon as much as it probably should. Just because... He, they, they made him a game manager. They had him hand the ball off a lot. They, they wanted him to work off of the run game. It wasn't that free, everybody runs downfield spread college offense you typically see when you have a, a Justin Herbert caliber of talent at quarterback. At the same time, Justin Herbert was just so steady and he was so good at executing his job. Even if he, you know, didn't live up to the moment occasions and this Ohio state game may have been one of the situations where he struggled if we're just buying into the narrative. But I do think that where Oregon is really going to be hurting is in these first few weeks of the season, because there will be an adjustment period without Justin Herbert. And I think that's why Ohio state wins this game by at least 10 points. That seems like a safe bet. And that's one that I may get in on now before those lines move um, because I think, you know, as much as I like this Oregon team, they bring back a lot of that defense. I love those uh, safeties. I th think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to live up to his hype as the best recruit in his class. And now what? He's going into his sophomore year uh, as an edge rusher. He's going to make plays. Again, though, it's just going to take a little bit more time for things to click here, especially because Troy Dye was the center of that defense. He was in charge of everything that was going on there. Uh, he's gone. Also, offensively, that running game should take a big step forward. C.J. Verdell is going to have a breakout year in the Pac-12. To me, he's the best running back in the Pac-12 right now, uh, and he's running behind Penny Sewell. You know, when I was just looking up this game, you know, you got to Google Oregon, Ohio State just to make sure nothing crazy has happened that you need to know about before you talk about this game. You know, the first story that pops up is from 11 Warriors, and the headline is, Film Study, Oregon's Penny Sewell is the best lineman Ohio State will have faced in years. And it's true because he's the best offensive lineman to play college football in years. And when you have that, as well as the best running back at the conference, you should be able to build a running game around it. Sure, they're replacing some guys on that line. Um, another reason why I think there might be a bit of a slow start, and I really like that minus nine and a half for Ohio State. But it will take some time to click, and I think that this will be another case of a Pac-12 team. I mean, another case of an Oregon team that blows a game they could have gotten early, maybe blows a couple, and then gets things figured out throughout the season. And by the end of the year, they're right up there with the best teams in college football, but you just can't get them into that top four, maybe not even that top eight because of the early season losses. That's what I see from this Oregon team this year. 
USC, I see a little bit differently. I, I think that they are a better football team, or at least they should be. I have my concerns about Clay Helton, but the talent there now is just too big to 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 lose too many games with it just takes decent coaching to turn that into uh, a pac-12 title contender and it takes solid to good coaching to turn that into a contender for a college football playoff spot we're gonna see in that alabama game whether this usc team is for real or whether they're just one of the strong pac-12 teams uh honestly if if the Pac-12 wins either of these games against Bam or Ohio State. That is massive for the whole conference. I know that Buffs fans can't really sit down and cheer for either of these teams, but if you have that in you, that either one of those wins could wind up being worth two, three million dollars a year for the Buffs down the road because of how it changes the value of that TV contract. Um, you know, you get both that's starting to turn into something, but that's just how this narrative shifts. And again, if you take down Bama and Ohio state the next week, that sports illustrated cover is going to be about the PAC 12s shocking everybody, which means you probably shouldn't bet on it happening. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I do think that this USTC team is better, but it's Alabama, you know, you, you just can't put money on somebody against Alabama uh, at this point, I don't think. Uh, so that's why I would say if you're picking one of these early games to bet on, go with that Oregon-Ohio State game and take Ohio State to cover that 9.5-point line. Uh, it's too bad that Oregon isn't going to win that game, but at least make some money off of it. Okay, that's going to do it for today. If you guys have any questions, any thoughts, leave them in the comments section of the post for today's show at thednvr.com. I will get to all of those tomorrow when I'm back with the next edition of the DMVR Buffs podcast. As always, thanks for listening, and uh, I'm excited for tomorrow. I think I have some fun stuff to talk about, and I will see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag is pushing 180, speed and competition. See you later, baby. Colorado army with soldiers like the Navy, and boaters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Colorado swaggin' as the crowd do the wave Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now, why you watchin' the official? Chill. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle yeah. And we ain't playin' with ya, you, you can get it anytime yeah. It start at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring
survival. Give them thugs, give them bugs, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that flag, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that cold, you know I'm acting bad. Holla, get them bugs with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that flag, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that cold, you know I'm acting bad. Holla, get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag.